This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Far too often... We try to assume the authority over things that we think we can change, but we can't. But we relinquish the authority to change the things that we actually can change. This story is a story all about change and how we deal with change. And the first thing in your notes today that I want you to know is that change is coming. Whether you want it or not, change is coming. And so many of us have difficulty in processing change. We actually push against the notion of change. We resist it. Because foundationally in our background, there's this fundamental idea that change is always going to be negative. Change is always going to be negative, which is not the truth at all. And that all change is good. But change is coming. Look at what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. A season. It's letting us know. I'm going to spend more time in that verse in just a few moments. But it's letting us know that things are going to change. Just like the seasons predictably change throughout the year. Change is coming. And the quality of your life will be determined by how you respond to change. The quality of our lives will be determined by how we respond to change. Now, this I, I didn't put this in my notes, but I, I read this as I was saying, just feel like I, I should share this, is that, that they're, they're one of the longest qualitative research projects ever done to uh, understand aging and the qualities that it takes to age well. Came up after years of research, five components of what it would take to live to be over 100 years old. And one of those was that you must be able to accept change. You must be able to accept change. The quality of our life is going to be determined by how we respond to change. See, number two, I want you to see this. When you resist change, you're actually resisting growth because it's impossible to grow without changing. I mean, the old adage, it's true. If you keep doing the same thing, you'll keep getting the same results. And so many of us know that there are areas of our life that need improvement, but that means that they need to change. Because growing things change. Only the dead stay still. Only the dead stay unchanged. Growing things, living things, fully alive So when we resist change, oftentimes what's happening is we're resisting 
growth. Look at First Peter 2. Look at this. Like newborn infants long for spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Notice that notion of growing up into salvation, that there's something that has already been achieved for me, but I'm not in it yet. I've got to mature into it. I've got to grow into it. But oftentimes we resist that growth because that growth represents change. But see, when you resist change, often you're resisting God. When you resist change, oftentimes you're resisting God. If we were to do a personal inventory and I were to ask you, when was the last time you personally experienced a massive internal tectonic shift in your life? When something on a grand scale shifted? When was the last time? For many of us, it would be months. For some of us, it would be years since that's happened. But the truth is, is that if God is going to change us, things have to change. And oftentimes, we resist growth and we resist change. And what's happening is we're actually resisting the work of God in our lives. Look at how Peter continues in 2 Peter 3. Be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I want you to get this today, that that's not just a spiritual endeavor. A lot of us have kind of compartmentalized our relationship with God into the spiritual category. But I want you to understand that when you grow as a vocational leader, you grow in your vocation, you become a better witness of who Christ is. You grow emotionally and you can navigate relationships better. You can be a better friend and you can give hope to people when they need hope. Any sort of growth is spiritual. Whether it's us growing emotionally or taking better care of ourselves physically or if it's us growing spiritually. All those quadrants of growth represent spiritual components. Because we're not just some spiritual being. God it's consistent, consistently shows us throughout Scripture that He made us to be body, soul, and spirit. That's going to last forever. Just those bodies that we have that are falling apart one day are going to be made new. So we've got to embrace the fact that change is coming. Let's go back to that verse in Ecclesiastes 3. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. The word that's used there for time is the Hebrew word etah. It means um, an event that has a time scale that is predictable. You have things that are predictable in your life. Maybe there are morning coffees for you. Every morning, you know you're going to have that coffee. If you're our family, I know at 6 o'clock every morning, my son is going to wake up screaming. Every single morning. Sometimes it's 5.15. 
But it's going to happen somewhere around 6 o'clock. It's predictable. Some, some of y'all have those friends that you know that they're going to call you and they're going to need some help. It's predictable. Some of y'all have those kids that you know they're going to get in a little trouble this year when they go back to school. It's predictable. Right? That's why I think the writer Solomon uses the word season to express this idea in the passage of Scripture there goes on to kind of say that there are different seasons, a, a time for this and a time for this. But the word season that's used there is the word zimon, which literally means a set time. And there are different seasons that we go through in life. They're predictable. But they're just seasons. They've got a beginning and they've got an end. And sometimes we get in difficult seasons and sometimes we get in good seasons and we we don't really know how to navigate those because in the good seasons we don't want it to end and in the difficult seasons we can't wait until it ends we don't really know what God's doing but really every season has a purpose so I thought I would share with you just a a, a small list of the different kinds of seasons we can go just to kind of get your brain thinking around this because every season has a beginning but it also has and then sometimes we go through growing seasons. Some of y'all been through that before where you've learned a lot, you've grown a lot, and you've, you, you've kind of gained a lot of capacity maybe in your job or maybe spiritually as you've walked through a different season where you've grown. Then there's testing seasons. We don't like those very much. Where our faith is tested over and over and over again, about two or three times into that, we're like, God, isn't this enough yet? But it's a season. It started, but it's going to come to an end. Sometimes we go through waiting seasons. How many of y'all been through a waiting season before? You're waiting on something. God told you he was going to do, but you're just waiting. God, I know you're faithful. I'm just waiting on you to do what you said you were going to do. We go through prosperous seasons. Seasons where God shows up and God gives generously. And we experience the provision of God. Sometimes it's not just money. Sometimes it's emotional prosperity. We just go through seasons where we feel better than we've ever felt before. But then times we go through seasons of loss. And it feels like this is being taken away and then this is being stripped away and then this is being taken away. They're all just seasons. They're all just seasons. They have a beginning, but they have an end. And if one of the greatest challenges in life is assuming responsibility for the things that we can't change and relinquishing the authority to change the things that we can, I thought it would be helpful today to talk about what we can change and what only God can change. So let's start with us. What can we change about our lives? I want to give you three things that we can change about our lives. The first thing that's in your notice, we can change our attitude. We can change our attitude. Nothing in your life has to change for your attitude to change. Absolutely nothing. You can choose to have a different attitude. Your attitude is your decision. 
the way that you respond internally in your heart to the things that are happening in your life, that is all your decision. You can change your attitude. Look at what the Bible says in Philippians 2. Don't be selfish. Good advice. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must, notice that's a command, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. In other words, change your attitude. Change your attitude. Here's why I think it's so important to realize that our attitudes can be changed. Look at this. That the quality of quality of your heart will be determined by the quality of your attitude. The quality of your heart will be determined by the quality of your attitude. And the quality of your heart has a dramatic input on the kind of life that you live. If you know anything about the scriptures, the Bible teaches that out of our heart as the old King James says, is the wellspring of life. And your attitude has the capacity to infect your heart. So if you have a nasty attitude, that nasty attitude is going to get in your heart and it is going to flow out of you, which is why that verse says, guard your heart above all else, for from it, out of Proverbs, flows your life. The quality of your attitude will determine the quality of your heart. And you can choose to change your attitude. Number two, we can change our perspective. We can change our perspective. See, everything in life can change without nothing changing. You've experienced this before. You ever came home and just been totally annoyed with everybody? Anybody, am I the only person that has those days? I mean, I just come home some days, I'm like, y'all just leave me alone before I slap one of them. You know, it's just one of those days, right? And then all of a sudden, you look on your phone and there's a news. Family of 10 killed in a car accident. And you look up and you see your kids. All of a sudden, your perspective changes. See, few things can change your life like changing your perspective. Few things. And I thought it would be helpful to think about perspective today. Because too often, if we're honest, the things that we allow ourselves to focus on are not the things that we need to be focused on. If you're honest, the internal conversation that you have inside of you Are you focused on the problems? Are you focused on the answer? Are you complaining to God about your situation? Or are you compelling God for the solution? Because too often in our hearts, we're focused on the wrong thing. See, here's the thing about perspective. Your perspective is what you choose to see, not what you can see. 
It's what you choose to see, not what you can see. And here's what can happen. If you get it in your head that somebody doesn't like you, all of a sudden you'll start looking for the signs that they don't like you. It's what you choose to see, not what you can see. So all of a sudden, your perspective guides what you're looking for. And you'll start seeing the signs because, generally speaking, whatever you try to look for, you'll be able to find it. If you're looking for signs that people aren't trustworthy, if you're looking for signs that people don't love you, if you're looking for signs that you're going to get hurt, if you're looking for all of that, you'll find it. But if you're looking for the signs that you are loved, if you're looking for the signs that God is faithful, if you're looking for the signs that God's got the solution, that God's got your back, that God's never left you alone, if you're looking for those signs, you'll see those too. Because perspective is what you choose to see, not what you can see. And we can change our perspective. Look at this. This is James writing about the good gifts that we get in our lives. Look at what he says in James chapter 1. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Don't be deceived. That good gift didn't come because you worked hard. Don't be deceived. That good gift didn't come because you're special. Don't be deceived. That good gift didn't come because God richly blessed your parents. Don't be deceived. That gift came from God Himself. Don't be deceived in where you look because you can change your perspective. Number three, your discipline. Oh, this one hurts, y'all. This one hurts. Because sitting within the body of Christ is the potential to do something in this world that the world has never seen. And the world has seen from the church some amazing things. But it's not seeing it. Because the honest truth is is that we are not disciplined enough to position ourselves to do it. And if you are waiting for God to make you do something, you are going to keep on waiting. Because God has left discipline up to you. Look at how the Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. And I love how he starts this out. There's a race that we're in, and we talk about that. That life is like a journey, but do you notice that he says that there's a prize? There's an achievement that comes with that race. So many times we just talk about it like it's a journey, like I'm meandering down a path, like it's just wherever, whenever, however it goes. 
But that's not the way it works with God. God has a prize for you. And so he says, why not run the race so that you can win? But to do that, you've got to live with discipline. To achieve what God wants to achieve through you, you have to live with a level of discipline that is above what's normal and average. Because if the church is ever going to be what the church is supposed to be, it's going to take a group of people who decide, I'm no longer sitting back. I'm stepping forward and I'm getting involved. And I'm going to be disciplined to leverage what I have for the kingdom of God. See, I would say this. Your level of discipline is directly connected to your level of achievement. There's a study recently done of entrepreneurs who became millionaires in the last five years. Last five years. So this is a fairly recent study. What they found is that the average time that they woke up was 5 o'clock in the morning. 5 o'clock in the morning. Why is that important? Because most of us just want to sleep in. But they were willing to embrace a level of discipline that's far beyond what's normal so that they could wake up and get to work. Many of them doing it as a second job before they could ever step away from their paying job that paid the bills to do what they were pursuing in their side. You can change your level of discipline. But there are things in life that only God can change. And here's the problem. That too often we try to assume responsibility for those. But if we try to change what only God can change, It'll only end with fear, anxiety, worry, and doubt. If we try to change what only God can change, it'll only end with fear, anxiety, worry, and doubt. Because there are things that you cannot change. And when you try to assume authority over something that you don't have authority over, all it's going to do is create in you a level of anxiety that you are not meant to live with because you don't have the authority to change it. So what are some things? This is not an exhaustive list. Three things. I just want you to know that God only can change. But He can change. Number one, God can change other people's hearts, minds, and minds. Oh, now I'm going to be honest with you. I can change my kids' behavior. There's a thing called duct tape. It works awesome. If I want my kids to sit still, I can use a bunch of duct tape. They ain't moving. They ain't moving for a while. You see, a lot of times the tools that we implement to try to change other people, that's not change. It's manipulation. And when you manipulate a change, newsflash, it doesn't last. That's one of the most freeing principles that we can embrace because all of a sudden, those things that annoy us about our spouse, those things that our kids do that we can't stand, all of a sudden we can say, God, I can't change that. You can't. You better get in a hurry. I'm going to kill him. Right? Right? We can finally realize that. Relinquish control and just say, God, you've got that. 
we do that, something magical happens in our hearts. It enables us to look at them the way that God looks at us. God, I'm praying for them to change, but I know I've been praying for me to change too, and it's been hard. And it's hard for them to change too. Allows us to give a little bit more grace. Number one, you can't change other people's hearts, minds, and behavior, but God can. Number two, only God can change your faith. Your faith. So the thing is, a lot of times we get into situations and we know the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And we want to live lives of faith. And we want to live lives that are daring and bold and step out and do things. But the truth is, is that faith is a gift. Faith is a gift from God. It's even described in the scriptures as a spiritual gift, that there are people who have the gift of faith. And there are times that God will speak into our hearts, I want you to do this. I want you to be this. I want you to step out and to pursue this. But we'll look in our hearts and go, "Uh I can't pull that off, God. There's no way. I just want you to be reminded of this truth. Look at Ephesians 2. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Speaking of faith, this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. So a lot of times we pray the wrong prayers. We get into situations and we start praying about our circumstances and we don't pray about our faith. And here's the thing. If you pray the wrong prayers and ask the wrong questions, you always get the wrong Sometimes what we need to be praying is, God, would you just increase my faith? God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be obedient. But here's the thing, God. I don't know how it's going to work out. So would you help me? It's kind of like this young man who's a dad. Mark chapter 9, his boy is sick and dying. Jesus has been asked to come and heal him. There's this conversation that happens, and Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. That's the one. We like to put that on bumper stickers and stuff like that. But I love the way that this young father responds. Immediately, the boy's father explains, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Like, I know you can, but there's a part of me that doubts. So can you help me overcome that? because I recognize the faith that sometimes we need to shift our prayers and stop praying about our circumstances and start asking God for more faith. Because faith is a gift. Number three, only God can change your eternal destiny. Only God can change your eternal destiny. The thing is, is that grace isn't a gift that we can earn. could earn it, it wouldn't be grace. And a lot of times when we think about where our lives are going, the trajectory of our, our lives, a lot of times we've tried to take ownership over that and there's so much fear and doubt and depression and anxiety in it because we've tried to take ownership and authority over something that we don't have authority over. Only God can save us cannot save yourself. And that's not just eternally, but that's 
maybe in the situations that you're facing right now. Some of us have heard the words cancer. Some of us have heard the words terminal. Some of us have heard the words I want a divorce. Some of us have heard the words bankruptcy. Some of us have heard words that seem like it's the end. But only God can change. finally get to the place where we start focusing on changing the things that we can do. And we relinquish the desire to control the things that we cannot change. All of a sudden, we posture ourselves to watch God. The thing you've been praying for God to do for ages. All of a sudden, when you back up and you say, God, no, you're in control. I'm going to stop manipulating these circumstances. He shows up. Look, watch, watch me work. Because I've got you. I've got you. This change is, is coming. We can't change the fact that change is coming, but what we can change is how we deal with it. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.